Hey guys, and I just want to reiterate the fact that if you invest in a student, it's time well spent. I mean, I, I've and had the opportunity to invest in a few junior hires specifically, and nobody likes junior hires for some reason, but every junior hire I've ever spent time with was worth every moment. I mean, there's people that are missionaries right now uh, because of just a few moments spending with a junior hire, and it's just like... Just truthfully, you can change a life. Um, but let's, let's, before we head into the rest of the service, I really want to pray for God to be here, be present. Okay, Lord, we are happy that you're in our midst. Your word says when there's two or three of us gathered, you're here. And there's more than two of us. And so, Lord, we, we know that you're with us today as we walk into your word and we try to learn and worship you today and try to figure out what it looks like to be your people, specifically when it comes to friendship, godly friendship. And Lord, we, uh, we just pray that you would guide our way. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. And today, we are in the series, Be Reasonable. And if you remember from last week, this is out of Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, in view of God's mercy... And then it says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your, now United you know, says spiritual act of worship, but the word there, spiritual, is the word logikos. Okay, we get the word logical from here. And so we've been translating it reasonable act of worship. This is your reasonable act of worship. And so we're looking at some things like in view of how amazing our God is, in view of who Jesus is, we're going to do some things that are acts of worship. And today, we're talking about how friendship, loving each other like friends, is actually a great act of worship. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times that church, I don't know why, but church feels like the last place you'd go for friends. Like, I I talk to people who are like, they're trying to find a friend or trying to find somebody to date, and they're like, well, I'm going to go to the bar. It's like, well, this should be the place where you come to get to know people deeply as friends. And for some reason, there's sometimes this superficial cloud that comes over church. But I think in God's design, godly friendship is supposed to be the greatest friendship. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And this idea of loving each other like friends The hard part is that I don't know if many of us actually know how to do that because 24% of Americans say that they're deeply satisfied with their friendships. That means that 76% are not. And we need, just to be healthy human beings, we need two to three deep friendships. That's just... When we, when we have those deep connections, we're, we're healthier outside of our spouse, right? And the average American, if you, if you quantify deep friendship based on just being able to share what's actually going on inside your heart, the average American says they have zero people they can share anything with. So we're like in this friend's crisis, actually. And so I think it's really important that we talk about it here so that we can do it in a way that is amazing, like because I believe godly friendship actually leads to great friendship. And today, the scripture we're going to be pulling out is to be devoted to one another in love. Be devoted to one another in love. And so it's not just friendship. This is, if you take that, that word, it's actually brotherly love. A lot of translations 
go that way. Brotherly love. So it's not only loving like friends, but it's loving your friends like their family. Loving your friends like their family. And so like I, I have a great family. I love my siblings. I even have a, a, a brother. I'm not a great mechanic. I like to do carpentry. I hate working on vehicles. Um, and, but I needed to get a rear main seal replaced in my truck. Uh, this was several years ago when I lived up in northern Idaho. And my brother drove the six hours, he lives in Boise, to go up there on 4th of July weekend. And we spent four days in 100 degree heat under my truck, taking out the transmission, the drive line, all these things to replace the rear main seal. Who would do that? How many of you have somebody who would do that for you? Like, it's awesome, awesome if you do. But, you know, even to say love each other like family, like, how, how many of us have real dysfunctional families or families with a lot of drama and chaos? And, and so it's like, how, what does that even mean? It doesn't mean the same thing as maybe it did at one point in our history to love each other like family. So let's, like, how many of you want great friends, great friendships? Uh, so the, that's, that's what we're talking about today. So godly friendships, I believe, are the best friendships. They're great friendships. But today, the whole thing rides on one part of this passage in Romans chapter 12. It's that line, in view of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy. We can't have great friendships. We can't have godly friendships if we don't first view God's mercy. And I don't think we view God's mercy enough, so I just... I want to ask you to do something with me. Close your eyes, please. Just close your eyes. And I'm going to just say this again. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your reasonable act of worship. <clears throat> now, just realize God knows your worst moments. Keep your eyes closed. He knows your quirks, He knows your sins. He knows the things that you've never had the courage to tell anybody else. He knows the things you've done that you weren't supposed to do. He knows the things you didn't do that you were. He knows your deepest, darkest secret. And yet, this is what we need to view, he still loves you. You are fully known by God. There's not a single thing that's a secret to him. Yet, you are fully loved. Take a good, long look at God's mercy. He's for you. He's not just a fan. I believe our God is a fanatic for you because he was willing to put skin in the game. He gave everything for you so that you could have freedom and you could have fullness. Just take that in. That's how much you're loved. Okay, you can open your eyes. Freedom and fullness, it's what God came to give us through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, here's the deal. Loneliness, isolation, it's the opposite of freedom. Loneliness feels like prison. It literally hurts when we feel lonely. Uh, it, it's the opposite of fullness. When you are lonely, you are living outside of your design, outside of who God made you to be. So God wants to bring freedom and fullness and that's what we're going to be speaking on. And, and today, we're not only going to give a message, we're not just having a sermon, we're actually going to have a lab. How many of you took college classes where you had a lecture and then a lab? That's what we're going to do today. 
And so in view of God's mercy, we're going to worship, right? We're going to offer our bodies. We're going to, in in an act of worship, a reasonable act of worship. And we're talking about loving each other like friends. What's better than food, right? So today we're not, we always think of worship being music. We say we're going to have our time of worship with this song. But eating together, this is they, this is what the early church did. It said they, they met in each other's homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. This is, this is what identified the family of God. And so this is what we want to do as our act of worship. And we're going to actually be taking communion together out there as well. And so if you're watching online, it's not too late to get down here for the food, okay? <laughs> if you're in town, Get in the car, you know, put your Facebook on, the, on your phone and just drive on down and we'll, we'll enjoy you in a few minutes. So. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to start off with some instruction. How do we do this? We're going to talk about four ways in which godly friendship leads to great friendship. Now, I just want to highlight that positive mental health, positive mental health actually happens through great relationships. I know I've already kind of tried to make this point, but I want to drive it home that you know, when we have friendships, we're healthy. When we have, the average person, like I said, needs two to three deep friendships. And I, I think this, this thing about relationship, it's actually, if you have a deep relationship, it's, it's um, more health. It just shows, the research shows, you're more healthy than if you actually go to counseling. I'm not trying to say that therapy is bad. You should go to counseling. But there's a great Christian therapist. He makes his money by people coming to, to meet with him, named Larry Crabb, and he says, people would need less counseling if they just had great friends. That's, that's what he said. So counseling is great, but even in the, the data, it says that 50% of people who go to counseling, it just doesn't work for them. But friendship helps 100% of the people who have great friendships. And so, you sh- yeah, if you want to go to counseling, great. I'm not trying to discourage that. I do counseling. We have people in the room who do great counseling. I'm just trying to say, Let's get some great friendships because that's how we find that freedom and we find that wholeness. And the environment uh, in which there's actually been research on what's the best environment to, to create great friendships. And there's a study that I've referenced a couple of times in sermons, but I haven't referenced this. It's by, it's by Dartmouth University called Hardwired to Connect. And they say the best environments to create great friendships have these factors. They say this is right off of their, their study. It's a social institution that's warm and nurturing. It's multi-generational. It's long-term. It has shared values and encourages spiritual development. It has an idea of what a good person is. And people are not are means of themselves. It means you're not trying to create a product other than what the people are, right? What does that sound like to you? <laughs> we, we have an ideal of what the, a good person is. The only good person that ever walked the earth was Jesus Christ, right? It's, a, it's like that's what we're seeking after. And so it's like this is the incubator where we could actually have great friendships based on the research. And so let's dive into the scripture. This is Romans chapter 12. Last week, we went through these verses. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Now this week, we're, we're going through the, the line, be devoted to one another in love. Now, I want to break this apart. You already know one Greek word. I don't know if you knew that. But it's the word Philadelphia, right? That's that word brotherly love, the city of brotherly love. But the first word, it's, it's devoted, right? That word devoted is actually more of a familial affection. It's 
philostorgos. So it has that word love in like a brotherly way. There's four actual Greek words for love. We only use one. Uh, but it's uh, philo, storgos. Uh, philo is brotherly love, like that friendship love. Storgos is a familial love. It's like a mother, how a mother loves her child. It's deep connection. And, uh, and then there's also agape. That's like Jesus giving up his life on the cross. And eros, which is like a romantic love. It's interesting how in our culture, in our society, we, we actually make it, it's only socially appropriate to be seeking after one of these types of love. And that's romantic love. You never hear somebody say, hey, I'm in the search for my bestie. You know, like, I'm looking for that, that, that person that I could just hang out with, you know, like, all the time. And it just, just gets me. You know, you, you hear plenty of lines like, yeah, I really want that, that, per, that person I could live the rest of my life with and have that romance and connection and whatever. But just friendship, that's something that's being talked about right here. But it's a friendship that has this link of devotion, right? It's like, you show up for somebody. It's like my brother who drove six hours to drop a transmission and put in a rear main seal. Like that sort of devotion, this familial connection, but then this deep care and friendship that that's like the Philadelphia. But the, this, the second part of Philadelphia is the word adelphos, which is the word brother. And adelphos literally means to be born from the same womb. To be born from the same womb. That makes sense. Brother or sister. And I'm born from the same womb as you. But how many of you have ever felt like you've been born from the same womb from somebody that's not your sibling? Like adversity makes us feel like we're born from the same womb, right? How many of you have college friends who those late nights working on papers or studying, like you felt like you're, you're cut from the same cloth or born from the same womb? Or maybe if you were in the military, uh, thank you for your service if you were, but man, those, those guys, they're like, they're, they're brothers for life. Like, we got Bob over there with his, uh, his fire crew. I'm sure that you've got those brothers. He, I mean, he I even could hear him say brothers like that. He's, th- th- this is something that we have. I've, if you've been on a mission trip with me, um, or these guys, uh, the, the youth group, how many of you, you feel like you're, you're connected after that? Like watching that, you can, you can feel that. That's what we're talking about. I, I feel that with my, my Spartan crew. Anybody who's ever run a Spartan race with me, it's like, Man, yeah, Brad went to Houston with me. Like, you, you feel, you come back, and you just are, like, tight with these people. This is the sort of thing that being born of the same womb feels like. Well, how do we do that in the church? Because we're not doing a great job of it. In fact, this is, this is I wasn't really planning to say this, but I, I, I'm on the board of a church planning institution and we've, had, we've been planting churches here in Utah for years before I even came here. And the number one reason church planters leave is because they don't have any close friends. Or their wife doesn't have a close friend. It's the number one reason. So why aren't we doing it well? Like, what is the problem? It's not coming to a speech or a concert that's going to get you to this place of brotherly love. It just doesn't work like that. So let's look at this passage that I think closely is linked. It's almost like a parallel passage, but it's from the person of Peter instead of the person of Paul, uh, obviously inspired by the Spirit of God. But in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, there's a passage that really lines up, but it, it expounds on this, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And it says this, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love, for each other. Love 
one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So there's four things here that I want to pull out and bring to you tonight about godly friendship. And godly friendship, remember, leads to great friendships. Number one, godly friendship, or great friendship comes through the resurrection. Uh, Great friendship comes through the resurrection. It talks about obeying the truth. And I'll link you back to earlier in the passage where this is a reference directly to the resurrection. Uh, Great friendship comes when we think about ourselves less. When we think about ourselves less, and this says, being purified from the flesh, right? And then great friendships come through a spirit of humility. It says our glory is like grass, spirit of humility. Great friendship comes through deep sharing. It says love each other deeply from the heart. Okay, we're going to go into those four things as we go. So let's go into point number one, which is great friendship comes through the resurrection. We just talked about that at the beginning of the message. In view of God's mercy, you can't have any of the rest of these without this one. But I think it's worth making another point. Do you know how valuable you are? Dollar forty-nine. That's not enough. Uh, you might think you're worth a dollar forty-nine. Uh, that's a great. Thank you, Mark. Um, but here's the deal: how much you're worth isn't how much you're willing to pay. How many of you have ever watched? Maybe this is dating myself now. Antique Roadshow. I love that show. <laughs> I could, I, I don't know. I, Pawn Stars. I, maybe, you, maybe that's the. the um, so you, somebody comes in and they bring this, this antique or this valuable, there's family heirloom, and you see it sometimes. You're like, I wouldn't pay 10 bucks for that. And then they're like, this is worth $2,500. And you're like, who would pay $2,500? Well, it's worth $2,500. Why? Somebody will pay that for it, right? So you may not think your life is valuable. You may only think it's worth $1.48. But how much did Jesus pay? Everything. Yeah, that's worth clapping for, buddy. Uh, <laughs> Jesus paid it all. Like, he gave everything for you. So your value, your worth, is not based on what you think your worth is based on. It's based on what he says your worth is. And guess what? He doesn't make junk. He just does it. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Okay? And here's where connection starts. Brene Brown, a social researcher, she, she really looks into this and she's found that people who have meaningful and deep connections, they feel like they deserve meaningful and deep connections. That's, that's the, one, the one outlier between people who have great friendships and people who don't have great friendships. So what do you do? How do you cross that line? I'm not sure how you do it outside of knowing your value through Jesus Christ. We, don't, we can't have just haves and have-nots, people who had a rough past and don't know their value, and people who had a great family, and now they do. Now, no, Jesus changes the whole thing. He rewrites the story, and he says, guess what? All of you, all of you have value. Man, that's the gospel right there. Now, 
1 Peter 3, I was referencing this. Earlier in the chapter, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In view of his great mercy, right? these are parallel passages between Romans, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, this is, this is great because we see that we actually have a new birth. <laughs> That's good news. So you may have once thought you were worth nothing. Guess what? You've been born again. You've been born again. What family were you born into? This family. You're with us. We got you. <clears throat> Brotherly love, born of the same womb. You know what womb you were born of? Guess what's right behind me? Not the drum kit. You weren't born of that. <laughs> Overtop. Uh, <clears throat> it's a baptistry back there. We'll do some baptisms next week. But that is the image of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the image of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You've been born into a new family. So are we brothers and sisters? Yeah. Of course we're brothers and sisters. Of course we're brothers and sisters. We were dead and now we're alive. We can actually see again. We've got a spirit that's the same. We've got the same heart, the same priorities. We're no longer slaves to the flesh. I don't know. How many of you are watching The Chosen? How many of you are watching? You need to watch The Chosen. Online, watch The Chosen. Don't stop this and watch it. But you can go watch The Chosen later. Um, it's amazing. At the very beginning of the scene, they're, they're doing the credits and stuff. Or I don't know what you call that. The intro, uh, there's these fish that are all swimming one way. And then one at a time, the fish turn, and they turn blue, and they go the other way. We're like that. We're these fish swimming against the stream. So we, when it comes to this, like, we need each other. We need each other. Like, how hard is it to walk the narrow road? Jesus says, this is a narrow road, and it leads to life, but few find it. We have to band together because, I mean, if you're talking about being birthed through adversity, if you're going to walk the path of Jesus, you better have a brother or sister right next to you. We're born again through the resurrection. So when you're at the table today, I just, I just want you to remember, these are your families. When you're out there eating, these people, they've been born from the same womb as you. So remind them. Tell them that they're well-made. Tell them their worth. Tell them their value. Ask them how they're doing swimming against the stream. While you're out there at the table today, we, we have to encourage one another. That's the practical takeaway for that one. Because godly friends are great friends, right? And godly friends are born of the resurrection. They're born of the resurrection first. Number two, great friends come when we think about ourselves less. Now, Dave talked about this last week, right? He's talked about how this, we have to hate what's evil. We have to hate what's evil. And this fits so well with the resurrection because all throughout the Bible, this is talked about as being crucifying the flesh. So we've, been, we've, we've died to our old self. Now we're alive in Christ. So we're actually laying down our old life. What did we care about before? We cared about ourselves. This is, I don't know how many of you have uh, heard this from Dave, but Dave said, hey, what I want you to do is I want you to find friends who love you but love Jesus more. 
Friends who love you but love Jesus more. Because any other friend, they love you, but they love themselves more. <laughs> that doesn't get us where we need to go when it comes to great friendship. Because great friendship that loves you but loves Jesus more will lay down their life for you. Because they see through a clear lens. Now, that's in 1 Peter, um, just a little bit lower as we're approaching that verse 22 and verse 13 and 14. It says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed that is coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. There's two things that this passage is saying happens when we actually crucify the flesh. We're awake. It says you're alert and sober. We're awake for the first time, and we're free from condemnation. It says that you put our hope, our hope on the grace that's been given to us. So awake, right? The evil desires, that, that the war within our soul, God's given us the power to overcome those now through the Spirit. It's amazing. Now, when we're all about the flesh, it's like we're zombies. Like, instead of being devoted to one another, it's like we're devouring one another. All that we're in friendship for is what I can get out of it. Right? That's not what builds great friendships. It does not build great friendships because when you can't give anything anymore, everybody else is gone. But not when it comes to the body of Christ. Not when it comes to being devoted to one another and brotherly love. That's not how it works. Because your value, remember, is based on Jesus. And it doesn't matter what you can give back to me. I'm willing to come and give to you. That's how we devote each other to one another rather than devour one another. The other piece about this is self-consciousness, condemnation. That all goes away because we're setting our hope on grace. We're remembering God's mercy. This keeps going back to that, right? In view of God's mercy, in view of the grace, like set your vision on that. In view of that, you don't have to worry about all the condemnation. How many of you have walked into a room before, hung out with friends, and then afterward we're like, oh, did I say this right? Did I think about that? Did I do this? It's like we all have done that, right? And then, but guess what? That's me thinking about myself. It's, it's, it's not what he wants. He wants us to actually think about the other. And so when we actually give up, Give up the flesh, the evil desires, hate what's evil. We can go in there and care about other people in the room <laughs> and love them and come out without all that condemnation. And guess what? I just want to tell you this. That condemnation is not the voice of God. God does convict us. But when you hear those voices that are condemning you, that's the voice of our enemy. And he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. So stop listening to that voice. It's not a good voice to be I mean, Jesus says in John chapter 8, right, the devil is a liar. All he wants to do is kill, steal, and destroy in chapter 10. We can't listen to that voice. You've, you've not been born of condemnation. There's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. So we can move on. We can be fully alert. We can be awake. We can live in freedom, right, because there's no condemnation. So today, when you're out there at the tables, ask questions. If you want to care about yourself, love us one way you can demonstrate that is ask questions. Now, obviously, if everybody's just asking questions, that's going to get awkward, but you can answer. But here, just try this next time you're even, this is a weird social, you know, you know, experiment, but 
just next time you're at a party or a, a, a get-together, a gathering, family event, don't answer, don't, don't say a story unless somebody asks a question. Don't, don't say anything. Because what usually happens when you're in conversation? People say, you tell a story, and then somebody's like, oh, I have a story that's like that. And they jump in, and they tell a story. And then somebody else jumps in, and they tell a story. And it's like, it's like these things that are kind of connected, but they're kind of disjointed. It's, instead, like questions are like a stream. And, it, and a question bends it, but it keeps it all connected. So you ask a question, they answer. Maybe they ask you a question, they answer. And it's, it just it brings the flow of conversation together so much better when people, you're actually dialoguing then. And, and when you dialogue, what happens? You build friendships. You build relationships. You have a stream that's flowing, that's giving life into the conversation. And it's the Spirit of God at work. Great friendships care about themselves less. Number three is this. Great friendships come through a spirit of humility. Now, that's closely related to what we just talked about. But it's in that that 1 Peter 22. It says, your glory is like grass. Your glory, it's like grass. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. It's going to fade. But guess what's eternal? Do you know what's eternal? Yeah, Jesus. What else? I'm looking at a lot of them. People. People are eternal. Every minute you invest in somebody is an event you're investing in eternity. You know that. So what humility asks for is to actually think of yourself as, uh, think of them as higher than yourself. You know what? We all look for friendships out of people who are similar to us. So you look at somebody who's a similar age, socioeconomic status, you know, uh, education level. And if you did that in this room right now, you would exclude 90% of the people in the room. Do you know that? Your best friend in this room probably has nothing, doesn't look anything like you. You know that? My best friend... He's Filipino. He was, a, he was a drug dealer. He was in prison. I grew up in white suburbs, and I had a great little family. And, and uh, you know what? I, I also was arrogant, and I, I was, you know, all, I've got my problems too, but guess what? God doesn't care about our past. We're a new creation. What have we been born again? We've been born in the same womb, right? And so... We're brothers, we're sisters in Christ. So it doesn't matter about what your past is. It matters about what kind of future he's trying to create through us. And so when we come together and we build friendships and relationships, he brings the most unlikely people together. And he builds a family that's so beautiful. He builds a family that's just amazing. In Philippians 2, it says this. This is the posture that we need to have to create that. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, rather, gather, or value others above yourselves. So every person, just view every person in this room as somebody who you can learn from. Actually, the research is so funny. IQ, we think IQ is what makes us you know, smart. I guess it is what makes us smart. But there's actually reasons scientifically that show 
why some brains are slower than others. Like, quick wit doesn't mean that you're always better at everything. Actually, people who have a slower mind are better at so much more than you if you're out there and you're, you're smart as a whip. You know that? You can learn from them. Don't think that you're better than them because you are, are quicker and faster and you can debate them. That doesn't mean anything. God made them that way. And he loves them so much. And he's got a special purpose. We, we have to think of every single person in this room. Is, they, they've got a, a thing that's so much better than anything than, than that thing that you can do, right? And you've got a thing that you can do better than them, but it doesn't mean that you're better and they're worse or they're worse and you're better. You know, we're a family. Look at the other person as a person with value, right? And one of the ways you can demonstrate this is by service. Galatians 5.13 says this, you, my brothers and sisters... There's that word, brothers and sisters. We're called to be free. Remember? Freedom and fullness is what Jesus came to bring. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Put that thing to death, right? Crucify the flesh. Where did I, I missed it. Serve one another instead, humbly in love. Serve one another humbly in love. The quickest way to overcome the absence of humility, this, this puffed up, this pride, this arrogance, just to go and humbly serve. Man, if you do that, do you know how many people you'll be friends with? <laughs> if you're willing to j- crawl under a truck and pull a transmission, you'll have people calling you all the time. <laughs> that that should have been funny. I don't know. You're good at working on computers? Man, you'll have all sorts of friends. No, it's like being, just being a servant. You're, if you're a servant, you are an initiator. You're, you're actually not, you're not waiting for people to come to you. You're saying, I will go. I will go to, go to them, and I will show them how I can love them and bless them and serve them. You know, I, I had an intern once, and I took him out to our last lunch, and I was like, I'm going to surprise him. And I, it wasn't because I bought him lunch. I actually, at the end of the lunch, offered the server. I said, hey, server, we would love to clean your bathrooms. And he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, don't, no, don't worry. This is your gift, this parting gift here. Um, and the, the server's like, what? You want to clean our bathrooms? Like, nobody's ever offered that before. And so she, she's like, just a second. Let me go get my manager. So she brings out her manager, and her, the manager's like, what do you want to do? You want to clean the bathrooms? Like, nobody's ever asked that before. What are you guys trying to, like, what's your MO? Like, what's going on? He's like, just want to bless Love and serve, is there anything we can do? He's like, hey, you know, I, I pay somebody to clean the bathrooms, but if you want to come back on Saturday, you could touch up with the paint on the walls. And so we came back on Saturday, and we touched up the paint on the walls, and we talked to the manager longer. And you know what? That guy, his name is Doug. Doug joined my men's group. And he was in my men's group for two years until I moved here to Utah. <laughs> Service leads to great friendship. Great friendships come through humility. You know, the other thing that you should do to live in humility is forgive. Who's in the position of power, the borrower or the lender? The lender, right? And tragically, when, if you have somebody that you need to forgive, they owe you something, right? They owe you something. And so in a weird way, you've kind of also come into a position of power. So I'm asking you to say, level the playing field. Forgive them. Come back onto their level. You cannot be friends with somebody and think that you have something over them because you can hold them under your thumb. It just doesn't work. 
it just blocks relationship. It blocks not only our relationship with each other. If you've got forgiveness issue, it blocks your relationship with Jesus as well. It's time to forgive. Great friendships come through a spirit of humility. And number four, the last one, is great friendships come through deep sharing. Great friendships come through deep sharing. Love each other deeply from the heart um, is what, what we're told there. Love must be sincere is what uh, Romans 12.9 says. And so this is the sort of spirit. It's a spirit of authenticity, of generosity when it comes to the way I share with one another, like with the other people around me, right? Uh, how many of you, okay, I, I read this. Introverts hate small talk. Is that true? Introverts hate small talk. Okay, you extroverts, I'm right on the border. I'm, I'm an extrovert though, so I'm talking to myself. Uh, you extroverts, stop talking about the weather. Start talking about what's actually happening in your life and make deep connections because, and you, you love in a spirit of like just a, having a sincere heart, like actually, that, that's what builds this beautiful, deep, rich soil. Speaking of soil, like, do you guys know what it takes to grow plants? Like, give me the three elements that it takes to grow a, a garden plant. Water, soil, sunlight. Did you know that you don't need soil? I didn't know that. But I heard about this recently. Hydroponics. Hydroponics. You can actually put all the minerals that come from the soil into the water. And your plants will grow 40% faster. Okay, so being authentic, talking real talk is like hydroponics, okay? You actually can speed up the process of building a friend. In fact, research says that it takes 200 hours on average to build a deep friendship. But there's this, there's this thing. I don't know how many of you have heard of the 36 questions that lead to love. It was a big thing in the New York Times a few years ago. But there's this uh, research. They, they brought these people together and they would ask these 36 questions to each other. And this wasn't, like I said, always romantic love. It was just trying to build friendships. And they would spend 90 minutes asking these 36 questions on these college campuses. And these people, these, these college students would say, I feel closer to that person after 90 minutes of sharing deeply than I do with anybody else I know. 90 minutes. You can take 200 hours down to 90 minutes if you're just willing to be vulnerable and to share deeply from the heart which is what the scripture says we should do. So today, when you're at the table, I actually have the 36 questions that lead to love, but I, I changed it to friendship, okay? Because I know that you dudes, you'd be like, I can't say, I can't ask you a question if it leads to love. So <laughs> there's four words for love, friendship. Okay, the 36 questions that lead to friendship. Go ask, I, I, I'm challenging you right now. Ask Get, get in a group of two or three while you're eating and just ask questions of each other. Off, off the sheet. Somebody picks one and then you both answer it. And then the other person can pick another one and you both answer it. Maybe you only have time for two questions. That's all right. Just, just get to know each other. Check out those questions. Enjoy each other. Practical thing. Now, takeaways. I've got three. One, two for you. One, know your value. View of God's mercy. Know your value. So if you know your value... 
Your value will drive your intention. You can't know the love that's in here from Jesus Christ himself and not want to pour it out everywhere else. Like seriously, that's, that's what happens. So spend time with Jesus. Get to know him. Know how much he loves you because I don't want haves and have-nots in our church. I don't want people who are great at building relationships and then people who just don't think they're worth much. Mark, you're worth more than $1.48. I promise you, buddy. $1.49. You're worth way more than that. Right? Know your value and then, and then it will actually drive your intentions. And then the, the, the third piece is this. This is for the church. Deep friendship opens up the door for the gospel. You know what Jesus said, how the world will know that he sent him, that God sent him? You love each other. <laughs> we come up with all sorts of ways to get people into the church. Let's just get better preaching. We could, we, if we could just get a, a better band, that will do it. If we could throw more potlucks, I don't know. Like, guess what? That doesn't do it. I got to love each other. Got to love each other. That's how the good news flows into the world. Seriously. Because if we love each other, it proves that we actually believe the gospel. If we don't love each other, the world knows you don't actually believe this thing. You don't believe that your value comes from Jesus Christ himself. You haven't viewed his mercy long enough. So today... We've got a lab. And guess what? In this lab, we're actually going to take part in viewing God's mercy. We have the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that's going to take place in the act of communion. Right? So we're going to look, view God's mercy. He gave up his body. He let his blood be spilled for you. We're going to do that at the tables. And if for some reason, I just want to apologize if your table does not have a table leader. Ask, who's the table leader here? And if somebody says, and there's crickets, then you're the table leader, okay? <laughs> Sorry, you just got promoted. Congratulations. Um, so uh, there's, a, there's a piece of paper that will teach you how to walk through communion. So as you're eating together, the time will, you'll know the time when it's right. Uh, grab the, the bread and, and the juice. They're on the middle of your table and take part in communion with one another. Walk through the steps. And just so you know, you, you've got, some of you have got kids over here. And you're going to go, do my kids take communion or do they not take communion? And we just want to say, hey, that's totally up to you. You're the spiritual uh, leader of your household. Typically, communion is something that we, uh, just so you know, this is for everybody. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've committed yourself, then we would love for you to take communion. Um, if you've been baptized, by the way, there's a class you can be part of the family right after the potluck. But you, you take communion. And, uh, and you don't have to be part of K2, like a member is what I mean. I know some churches make you be members. But go and, and enjoy each other. I'm going to go ahead and pray because here's what I know is that some of you may feel awkward. Some of you may be thinking, I'm going to leave. I'm not even going to stay. And that's, that's all right. If you leave, I'm not going to hate you. Don't worry about that. But I want to ask you, please stick around and eat with us because you're part of our family and we love you and we want to experience what it's like to actually be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Let's pray. God, we come to you now and we want to live this. 
We want deep friendships. And I, God, I know that godly friendships lead to deep friendships. And so I just pray you would fill us with you, with God, <laughs> through your son Jesus in view of his mercy, God, so we can have deep friendships from the heart. Lord, bless this time that we spend together, eating together, enjoying each other. Lord, this is the time of worship. We're not missing out because we don't have songs. (laughs) Lord, just help us to be filled with your spirit. Like I ask that you come down in a way that's so powerful and it it makes us feel like you're present just like we're singing this beautiful song. So, Lord, we, uh, we ask for this all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So if you do have children, we're asking you to go and check them out, take them out. They can eat food, too. You know, you can feed your kids. And then the rest of you, just start getting working on the line. Get your food. Go find a table. And we'll just have fun with each other. You got a question? I do. I'm sorry. But we just found out from another friend here, we didn't know about this fire that's gone. There's a big fire, I guess, up in Park City. Okay. And there's a lot of people. Well, let's pray for that. All right. Let's pray for the fire in Park City. God, we, uh, we come to you now, and Lord, we pray that you would empower uh, those who are working on this fire. Lord, you would uh, give those firefighters uh, safety, first of all. Lord, you'd give them effectiveness. You'd, you'd help them uh, have wisdom on where to go, where to be. Uh, and, uh, and Lord, I pray that you'd also just bring protection on people. And, and if you would, save some houses too. That would be amazing. So we just pray this all in your name. Amen. Thank you. Okay, you guys, go be devoted to one another in brotherly love.